You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Bowlers Network. Chill ride, chill vibes. Okay, so we got two preseason games in, and the Sixers looked really good, or much, much more fun than they did last season. Came from behind and beat Indiana on Friday night after trailing going into the fourth quarter. Bench really stepped up. And then in the preseason debut against the Celtics, holy hell, it looked incredibly encouraging. So I'm feeling good. I hope you guys are feeling good too. I have somebody on the line who wrote a column last week, basically the giant Sixer season preview. I retweeted it, and hopefully all you guys read it. He's on the line right now. It's Tom West from across the pond once again. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks, man. Thanks for moving back on. I love having you on here. Like, I, I feel like – now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I feel like that, you know, your your accent brings a level <laughs> of sophistication to my podcast. If if I can bring sophistication, even if it's by accident, then that's fine <laughs> by me. <laughs> I, I, just hope that didn't, I just hope that didn't come off horrifically problematic or stereotypical. So if you did, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's fine. That's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into your piece a little bit. And I want to start by uh, just going, just kind of going through it and just saying, first of all, piece was amazing. It was great. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Incredibly comprehensive. It hit every point that I think every Sixers fan was thinking about and maybe even some stuff that they weren't thinking about. So just right off rip, just that was, that was an amazing piece. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, ne- I never write pieces that big, but I just wanted to try and sort of, you know, be thorough. There's been a lot of changes, a lot of potential sort of schematic stuff, personnel stuff, coaching stuff. So I just, yeah, try to kind of go over all of it or, you know, the main main things. And uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to the season now. There's a lot to think about. Yeah, long form is not easy, folks. Like we, we try to tell you guys all the time. Just it's it's not incredibly easy what we do. And uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody's readership and listenership and all like that. But enough ego stroking from the from the two of us. The rotation. I love how you broke it down at first, where you have ball handlers, wings, and bigs. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about. Could the Sixers be going more positionless this year? Like I know that you have like the the traditional point guard, shooting guard, whatever in that bracket. But maybe positionless is more how we should be thinking this season. Do you agree? I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think the Sixers can kind of get a bit more flexible. Like they're gonna, they're obviously gonna be smaller this year. They don't have two centers in the starting lineup now, and they've got some more ball handlers. You know, I think, you know, Seth Curry, Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, uh, at least right now, are kind of best as more secondary guys. Um, Shake's going to kind of be the lead guy off the bench, but they can all sort of play off ball together. You know, not necessarily at the same time, but they can, you know, the Sixers can probably use more like two guard lineups this year than they have in the past. I definitely think they can probably get a little bit, you know, smaller, a little bit quicker. I don't know about the whole Ben Simmons at centre stuff, um, <laughs> but I don't know if they, you know, Doc kind of went to that on the fly the other night. He said they've not even used it um, in practice before they tried it out against the Pacers. So I don't really think that's, going to be a staple of the team but yeah I definitely think we could probably see more lineups with you know one big let's say Ben Simmons and then like they could potentially try some like three guard lineups if they want to um just to you know really max out shooting or they can definitely get a bit more creative and they don't have tons of you know big wings like they've got obviously Furkan Korkmaz you know kind of a two or a three as a shooter off the bench and then really it's you know Matisse Thibault for wing defense and then Mike Scott 
Mike Scott's their only real sort of bigger forward that they have off the bench. It's probably going to see much playing time. So yeah, they're definitely going to be able to get a bit more smaller and flexible. That word that you use, creative, like that's the word that I'm kind of, that I really kind of focused on when you were uh, uh, talking just now. And that's something that's been lacking the last couple of years. So that word creative, I, I, I really like how you use that word as opposed to, you know, like flexible, sure, but like creative. And I think that's what has been missing the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so much more, like they've been, they've been a good defensive team, but they've had, you know, versatility there in terms of how they can switch and stuff, at least with guys like, you know, Josh Richardson and, you know, Ben Simmons, obviously, but offensively now they they've got a lot more flexibility and room for creativity just they can do more stuff like they have more guys who can actually dribble and (laughs) um they have space to work with like they can yeah they can just get more creative now um and there's less pressure on ben simmons and joel Embiid to try and you know force their games into an offense that doesn't have enough space or better guards to complement what they need to do the starting lineup in that rotation is definitely solid, pretty set in stone, but it's it's the bench that I kind of want to talk about too, because the bench is not half bad. And that's something I haven't been able to say over the last uh, two seasons or so. You got Shake, Howard, and Corkmaz, according to uh, parts of your piece, uh, saying that, you know, Doc, that's kind of, those are kind of givens right now. But then you get to the fourth and fifth guys. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe they'll play a hot hand strategy between Mike Scott and Matisse Thibel at one of those positions. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like you said, I think Shake, Korkmaz, Doc's talked about those two quite a lot. I mean, obviously he's praised Shake, you know, loads. He, he's super high on Shake, really confident in him. And, you know, for good reason, like he's just kept playing really well. Shake looked great in the two preseason games. I know he's had a pre-season. phenomenal preseason. Yeah, has. but... As much as you can take away from preseason, which isn't too much, like Shake kind of filled that. Like he looked really confident. You know, he was benefiting from, you know, the extra pick and rolls and a bit more space to work with. And he's just been, you know, continued to be aggressive and confident. He's growing in his game. He just looks comfortable. And I I don't think that's surprising after how he kind of approached last season. Like poise and just kind of growing confidence was sort of one thing he was showing. So it looks like he's kind of building on that. So he's going to be a key guy off the bench. Doc's talked quite a bit about, you know, how valuable Korkmaz can be as a shooter. And, you know, Doc's been quite creative with sets and actions he uses to kind of open up uh, shooters who can play off movement and, that, and you know, off screens before. So I think Korkmaz is probably going to be, he sort of sees him as kind of like a scoring punch off the bench with shake. Dwight Howard is obviously the first center off the bench. And then I think I mentioned in the piece that Doc has, you know, talked quite highly about Mike Scott, you know, said like he's have a phenomenal training camp at one point, I think is the word he used. Um, and he's kind of their only real four off the bench that you could see being, you know, at the sort of start of the rotation, uh, the bench rotation. So I think it's kind of Matisse Stiebel and Tyrese Maxey right now in a kind of competition, I guess, for who is going to be taking more of the uh, backup minutes for that kind of fifth reserve spot. Um, and that, yeah, like you said, that could be kind of uh, a matchup based thing. I think Doc will give them both playing time. Um, he did say that the team kind of wants to take its time with Thibel just because he missed a lot of training camp uh, with an ankle injury and he came out. He didn't really help himself in preseason. Like he had a couple of quite uh, rough performances. A <laughs> little rough, a yeah. little rough yeah. teams. And I think some fans have kind of been kind of overly aggressive in the, uh, in the criticism. Like I know he has, he has his flaws, like no one can you know, playing out of control and offense and taking too many gambles defensively uh, problems. And they were all on show in preseason. But I think, you know, he needs a little time to kind of come back. Like no one's been playing basketball games in a long time. And he missed most of training camp after a really weird short off season. And he just had two preseason games. Like I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, Doc said he's going to get minutes. They're just going to take their time with him. I think the most interesting thing is whether... Maxi can either take away minutes from Thibault or he kind of emerges as one of the more top guys off the bench through the season because I do think Maxi can be that valuable for them just because he can create an attack and drive and finish off the dribble unlike anyone else on the roster really which is crazy because he's a rookie <laughs> but that's just that's the talent that the Sixers have and Maxi kind of stands out in that area. 
Philadelphia sports fans being overly critical for literally no reason at all? That doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> That's not something that happens every year. Basketball wouldn't be back if Sixers fans weren't finding something to get critical about. So of course. We're back. <laughs> we're back. We're, we're officially back, baby. Here we go. <laughs> um, Tyrese Maxey, he's looked really good as a rookie in the preseason. But heading into the season, you know, how many minutes is he really going to get? I mean, he had the 11 points against Indiana. He had the strong fourth quarter against Boston. But – are, are we looking at like five to 10, 15 to 20, like depending on the matchup, garbage time? I mean, right now, I, d- I don't want to just cop out and say I don't know, but right now it is kind of hard to say. I felt like in the Pacers game, it looked like he might be kind of moving up into the rotation when Doc brought him in in the first half before he brought in Thibault. I thought that might be an indicator that, you know, maybe Doc's a bit more willing to go with Maxi, even if it is just because Thibault missed time and he's kind of a bit behind. But then again, you know, Maxi missed some of training camp as well because he, he tested positive for COVID. Yep. Um, but, you know, Doc said after the game, don't look too much into these rotations. Like, it is preseason. Fireball is going to get minutes as well. So I think, yeah, I think if you were going for two of those figures you said, I think it's probably going to be closer to like the 10-minute side of things if he does kind of get minutes right away. I think he should, partly just because I do think he, like, he has that off-the-dribble skill set that is really valuable. Um, and he can play good defense as well. That's sort of impressed Doc. And um, Thibel as well actually mentioned that in training camp. They're kind of been impressed with Maxi, just like how he can how he competes, stays in front of his man, how well he can get over screens, um, how he communicates. And that he sort of stood out in those areas where most rookies wouldn't. And, I th- you know, I think Maxi's defense was, was pretty good in college and there's quite a lot to like about him there. It's just hard to expect you know, rookies to be positive defenders or positive players in general right away. So I think we'll probably see Doc kind of ease him into things, like maybe, like you said, the kind of lower end of 10 minutes, um, at least right away to begin the season. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of went for Thibault uh, instead, maybe just because he's got more NBA experience. Um, right. But I don't think it would take long. I don't think it should take long anyway for Maxi to kind of move into the rotation to a more firm spot and start getting a few more minutes, you know, having more games where he's kind of getting towards the 15, 20 minutes kind of thing. Um, just cause I think he can end up being that valuable for them. I think Maxi, where he's going to be extremely useful is just, just that typical quote unquote rookie energy that everybody always talks about. You know, he, he comes in like a rookie and he's already looking, you know, like Pat Bev on defense on some plays and just, you know, that, that helps you build a name for yourself. So, I mean, he can probably just, live off of that for the first few months yeah i mean i think yeah energy is definitely definitely one thing he can bring and yeah he just kind of fits a hole in that sort of creativity department that the sixers could use more of um and yeah he can defend i think i think he'll be a a plus defender i think it's fair to think that he'll need a bit of time um you know sometimes like from the college tape i watch like he can force shots and that kind of thing um, at times so like I'm sure he's going to have some rookie struggles like most rookies like pretty much all rookies have have their issues um even so, you know, even LeBron struggled as a rookie folks. So <laughs> yeah so uh... you know yeah you, you can't bank on Maxi you know having these like 10 12 point scoring outings every day that he's had in preseason um <laughs> you know there's, there's going to be some bumps along the way and, and Doc said that you know in training camp like the short off season is tough for everyone and it's particularly tough on rookies that they've gone from being drafted to going through training camp preseason in Maxi's case, missing quite a lot of training camp and then playing an NBA game like about a month after they got drafted. Like it's an incredibly rushed timeline. Missing training um, camp, had the, had the, had the coronavirus positive test, no summer league. Like these rookies are going to be, yeah. Oh man, this is going to be a bad year for rookies. I'm just telling you guys now. Yeah. No summer league as well. Yeah. Like you mentioned, um, like there's some good rookies, this year, I think there's quite a lot of good kind of role player level guys. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think Maxi's going to be good. I think even if Doc has him on a bit of a shorter leash to start the season, like Doc's often kind of had a fairly sort of short leash with young players and rookies before. Um, so I wouldn't take you know it wouldn't surprise me if he takes a little time, you know, fully trusting Maxi with the role. But I think he's good enough that he should get a real good chance early on, and they, they need to play him. I think so. Yeah, we'll, we'll see exactly how that works out. 
this is the section that I was the most pleased to read the offense going into the season. Looking at last year, 14th and O rating, I'm just like, oh my God, how, how with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were we middle of the road in offense? And just, I'm just so glad that everything's changed. It sounds like there is a collaborative, and I know fan, I know Sixers fans hate that word, but it sounds like it's a collaborative effort between Jaeger and Doc Rivers in terms of the offense. Like a lot of the players are. You know, they, they're talking to Dave Yeager and Doc Rivers as well about the offense. Do you do you like that idea? Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting and, and Doc has said like he wants the players to hear a lot from all of his assistants. He wants, you know, everyone to kind of play a big part. Like they've built a really good staff around him. Like even even if you weren't super high on the Doc Rivers higher, like I'm not a huge Doc Rivers fan. Like, I think he's a good coach, absolutely. I think he can help the team. I just had like I think we talked about this when he was first hired, like I had some sort of concerns about like his lack of playoff adjustments in the past and that kind of thing but I think you know in the coming weeks after his hire when they added a bunch of really good assistants kind of makes you you know more positive about where the Sixers stand coaching wise overall so I do think yeah I do think the setup's good Dave Yeager is kind of it sounds like he's kind of going to be the lead assistant for the offense um like I don't know whether he's going to be calling players on the court or exactly how the, the setup will be but it sounds like yeah Doc wants the players to hear as much from Jaeger in terms of running the offense and what they need to be doing as him, which, yeah, which should be interesting. I think both of them will have some kind of creative stuff they can do. Now, I can't remember if I read this on Liberty Ballers or if it was treat- tweeted by Liberty Ballers, but there was one thing that I read that was really kind of interesting, how the Sixers offense, it doesn't necessarily run off plays, but more, you know, just actions like a cut here, a pick and roll there. It's not like a set play. That freedom is going to create some interesting things, especially if Jaeger and all the players are just kind of asking questions and just going back and forth, like what worked here, what didn't work there. Mm. I think I think that might have been in Jackson Frank's piece. I think that's what Ben Simmons said, um, I think after the Celtics game in preseason uh, or something along those lines where basically, yeah, Doc had them kind of running more actions rather than running set plays. And I think that might be kind of an approach that they keep to an extent. I think they're, they're obviously going to be running more plays and they'll have the offense more in place as the season goes, like sort of through camp and preseason so far, like Doc and some of the players have said they feel like their defense and getting that ready is further along than the offense. Okay. So I feel like, yeah, getting all their playbook, you know, established, finding out what works best, what they use with certain lineups and that kind of thing. I think that's going to get more set and cemented as we kind of get into the season, like they've really just not had much time to kind of practice anything <laughs> yet and iron things out, um, especially with missing, you know, a couple of guys for summer training camp. I actually kind of like that idea because, you know, keep it simple because, you know, not a full training camp, didn't have like the, the full experience, but, you know, keep the offense simple to start and then just kind of build on it as the season goes on. Like this is the NFL. It's not 16 games. It's 82 or 72 games this season. So like you have time to adjust and like make changes, make corrections and then just build the playbook. Yeah, exactly. Like you were never going to bring in a bunch of new players and entire new coaching staff and then just have everything polished and just be like, like two weeks and, two <laughs> and just be like here's the here's the playbook read it study it you you're expected to know it game one that's it yeah <laughs> and i think it's just like with the simple things that you know like running simple actions like they have good dribble handoff players which are obviously they've used dribble handoffs before they used those plenty last year as well but seth curry is another guy who can work really well with Embiid. we saw that a little bit in the celtics game just coming out of handoffs he can you know, he can hit pull-up jumpers. He has a good floater game. He's a pretty solid passer to, you know, set up and bead on the rolls and cuts and that kind of thing. So he's going to be an added weapon there. And that, you know, just simple plays like handoffs. And they can just run more pick and roll and stuff. And obviously, they're not going to be running pick and roll nonstop. Um, ben Simmons is going to take on more, but he's still not like a perfect pick and roll ball handler, is he? Obviously, with the lack of a pull-up uh, jump shot threat. But they do have more guys that make that easier. You know, Jake, Steph Curry, they can handle more pick and roll and do some of those simple actions that we just haven't really seen as much under Brett Brown. Let's talk about some of these shooters. And you made the point that this is the obvious point and getting out of the way. More shooting. 
just more shooting. Now, is it more shooting or is it better shooting? Uh, both. Both. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have you bring in Danny Green, who, as you pointed out in your column, forty percent shooter from deep on six plus three point attempts. You have Seth. Curry, Steve corrected me hard when I said Steph Curry like a couple like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Forty four percent for his career, ninety fifth percentile in his last four years. Like this is this is an impressive pair of shooters to have in the starting lineup now to surround Toby and JoJo and Simmons. Like this is probably the best group of shooters that Ben and Joel have had. Yeah, I think it, I think it probably is. I mean. I think JJ Redick is he's shot at more volume than Seth Curry or Danny Green and JJ is like the best off movement shooter out of those guys. Um he's the best coming off screens, just running around everywhere off the ball. Like he can kind of sprint and kind of fade into shots um in a way that the other two can't. Um but yeah, I think it's probably the best shooting group in terms of Seth being able to add more of a pull up threat. Like he can handle some pick and rolls, dribble handoffs. And he's a threat to, you know, shoot off the dribble, which is something that they've just really not had much of. It's basically just been Shake Milton and a little bit of Alec Burks last season. So Seth's a, a real addition there. And then and... Danny Green is, yeah, he's efficient, 40%, like you said, for his career. And they both have, you know, confident, more so Seth, but still Green as well. They both have like quick triggers, which is something that was a big problem last year, like I mentioned with uh, Josh Richardson. And Josh, Alfred, yeah. Just, just passing up too many shots and they don't have the volume. Um, to really, you know, make defenders sprint out to guard them. And, you know, if they're, if they're passing up shots, the defense can just reset when otherwise you thought you had an open shot created and you just have to start all over again. So, yeah, it will really help having guys who are confident, quick trigger, bit of threat off the dribble. And, yeah, it's going to be so different than last year's original starting lineup. <laughs> it, it's going to be fantastic to see, you know, Joel, and we'll get to it in a second, passing out of a double team and just the the ball just immediately goes into the air just like okay you're just gonna leave me here with like space and opportunity i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot this jay here you go yeah and yeah like current just seeing some of the shots curry was taking you know against the paces and stuff like and the celtics like been kicking out to him and then a defender's getting a little you know a little close whereas you know maybe josh Richardson would have passed up that shot seth curry just kind of sidestep dribbles and then he takes the three or the defender's closing right out on him. He just takes it anyway because he doesn't care about a closeout, whereas some of their previous players would have. So, yeah, it's going to be a very different approach. Um, and, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to be a big help for the offense. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And that's the thing, just like I... Honestly, you're not going to make every three-point shot. But, like, if you have that open look, you have to take that. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, and they're, and they're going to have more, more of that now. Um, transition, half-court, like you said, Embiid's post-ups, Simmons driving and kicking, like, all of those areas will be helped by just having, having some more shooters on board. It, make, it makes things easier and has more space for everyone to use uh, to begin with as well. And even off the bench, we got shooters. Like, Shake had... Shake, as we mentioned, Cork Maz, Mike Scott looked good against the Pacers, so maybe maybe the three general managers back. We'll see. Uh, Thibel once he gets his legs underneath him after the ankle injury, and then you know Maxi didn't shoot well in college, but you know what they say about high free throw percentage transitioning into 
decent three-point shooting. That's a thing. That's a fact. That's something that's been commented on multiple times. So there's a good shooting group coming off this bench as well. Yeah. And like you said, Maxi's free throw percentage is a big thing. And he, and he was a better shooter in, in high school. He shot threes at a pretty high volume. Um, and he was more efficient. I think it was, yeah, he, it, was a, it was a fair amount per game. I think it was about 34% through like um, high school and stuff. So he, he was a better shooter uh, pre-college. And he has some kind of shot difficulty as well. Like he does take some from a couple of steps behind the arc. I think he took one against the Pacers that was a fairly deep attempt off the top of my head. And he can, he can shoot a little bit off the dribble as well. Um, so it's not like you can only expect him to take really simple standstill threes when he has loads of space, like he is going to be more aggressive than that. And he has more skill than that. So I do think he's a better shooter than some Sixers fans have kind of thought when they've just, you know, looked up his three point percentage in college. This lineup that you mentioned in your piece, Curry, Shake, Korkmaz, Toby, Embiid. I just have one message for the rest of the NBA. If you see Embiid and a lineup like that, go ahead, double him. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it. It's going to be, it'll be, yeah, it's just going to be so much nicer to watch him post up with space. Like it's so simple, but the roster was built so poorly last year that it just wasn't the case enough. Uh, It's just going to be much easier on him to kind of operate with those guys around him. And yeah, if you can't, if you can't double Embiid as much, yeah. He's gonna. It just, he's it's gonna just, score. So it just makes so many times. I saw against the Celtics and the Pacers, uh, not against the Pacers, but against the Celtics, where you know they would the defender of the three point shooter would just kind of do the kind of swipe at the ball as you know Embiid is pounding the paint a little bit, but like there's still so much space there, so he can make his little move and get into the paint and just do that little hook or, you know, that fadeaway jump shot that we all hate. But he's got space to operate. Yeah, exactly. And guys like Curry and Shake as well, like, they can pose a threat spacing beyond the arc. Like, you know, Tobias, for instance, doesn't take many deep threes. He's normally kind of on the line. But Shake and Seth, in particular, can both kind of fire away from a couple of steps behind the line. Like, you can really add that kind of extra bit of space yeah, with those guys, then yeah, they're ja- they're jacking it up from thirty feet. They don't care. As a matter of, matter of fact, I don't care either. Like just the just the non hesitation to not let that rip. You know. Yeah, the, yeah, the non hesitation is is the big thing. Now talking about space, we got to talk about the other thing, pace. And when you have somebody like Ben Simmons, who just you want him to get out and run and you want the offense to be quick and crisp, like pace is important. I I do enjoy the attempt at trying Simmons in the same role as Embiid with the four shooters around him. I mean, you sacrifice some rebounding, but good Lord, holy that that's an intriguing lineup as well in the preseason we were talking about pick and rolls. There were 41 pick and roll plays actions in the preseason. And just that was encouraging to see. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big shift um, from what they've done before. And Ben's getting some of those. And, you know, like I said, it's not perfect with him running pick and rolls. Obviously like if guys drop way back, it's it's more difficult to use, but it it can, it can work um, at least in moderation. Like there's going to be times where the defenders get caught on the screen Simmons gets downhill, you know, he can attack a slower center that way. And if he's got good shooting around him now, which obviously they can have, it's much easier for him to kind of get downhill, attack, and then kick the ball out and make stuff happen in spread, pick and roll. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting change to watch this season. And there were signs of it, you know, signs of early success in the preseason. The other thing about the pick and rolls, and this is something that I love to hear from Doc, uh, he wants to grow the Embiid-Simmons two-man game, which is incredibly exciting to me to hear because I want to see what those two can do together. Like, there's all this talk that, like, it doesn't work. Well, maybe it's because nobody really has tried to initiate some kind of offensive system with these two guys. Like, just those two guys working at a two-man game. Like, we just haven't seen anybody try it yet. Yeah, like, they've had their, you know, their snug pick-and-rolls that they use you know, at times before with Brett Brown, like 
and they they were quite they're quite you know effective uh, sometimes but yeah there's just not been too much variety with them yet and you know doc said they are going to be more pick and rolls with them both in the pick and roll together uh, which is going to be interesting i think they're probably going to be more typical like middle side pick and rolls rather than just their really short stuff that they've used before um, I don't know exactly what else he kind of envisions in their two-man game <laughs> growth. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to see them play against the Pacers together. But yeah, I think seeing how they're used together is going to be kind of one of the interesting wrinkles to to look at. Like we know there's going to be more shooting, more pick and roll. But yeah, how Simmons and Embiid work together and kind of what Doc and his staff conjure up for those two will be interesting. I will say if there's one thing that I would love to see, it's Embiid kind of watching and learning uh, Dwight Howard's rim running because you saw it against the Pacers and a lot against the Celtics. Like Dwight Howard's rim running is just, maybe this is hyperbolic, but it's poetry in motion to see how this guy does the right rim runs, makes the right moves, makes the right calculations to get in the right positions for those lobs. Or, you know, the pocket passes where he's in the right positions. He only has to take maybe one dribble and just put it up into the into the basket. Yeah, I think that's one area he's going to really help. And, like, the Sixers just haven't had a, a lob threat, really, in a while. Like, Rashawn Holmes is kind of the last guy you could kind of see just running the floor, being put in a pick and roll, and then you can just hit him on an alley-oop. Oh, the Nerland really... the, the slander, Tom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, they've not had a lob threat recently, which is the main thing. And and Dwight can help there. Obviously, he's not you know nearly in his physical prime, but he can still be that kind of vertical spacer, um, which is good. Like we've seen it a bit in the preseason. You know, we've shaken him, connecting and pick and rolls and that kind of thing. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he rubs off on Embiid in that area and what Embiid can sort of take away from him. Like Embiid's never been a great rim roller. Uh, in the pick and roll or anything before it's kind of yeah he doesn't always seem to have much like intention or kind of roll really hard and obviously he's not really like a a big leaper yeah um, right now but yeah I think being used more with more space it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of grow a little bit there the pick and roll the dribble handoffs that we've been talking about the two-man game with Embiid and kind of growing that it leads me to the what doc said about i don't care that he ben simmons a great player and i'm just i'm just gonna i i care that he's a great player i'm just gonna let him play i'm gonna give him the keys and let him be free and play that is some positive that is a positive outlook to take on ben simmons because it focuses more on his positives than his negatives doc does not seem to be too worried about the fact that either ben can't shoot or doesn't shoot that does not seem to be a problem for him no, no, he's, he's, he's fine with it by all accounts from what he says so far. Simmons has said he's worked a lot with Sam Cassell, um, who is going to be another sort of valuable assistant for them to have. Um, and they've you know done some stuff with his mid-range and his, he specifically mentioned corner threes. I don't know if that means we will see more. Like It's really a matter of, you know, we'll believe it when we see it with Simmons' shooting. But Every year we say that. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm not going to get... Like, they have a better assistant to work with him and... There was a few in the bubble and, you know, but, and we obviously had the attempts against the Pacers, but, you know, he needs to maintain it for a while before it really becomes anything. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he does try a few, but there's no pressure from Doc now saying, like, I want one a game or anything like that. So, yeah, he's just going to be playing his game. And I think him, you know, not shooting, if that is the case, like, I don't think it's as concerning now anyway, because the offense just makes more sense. Al Horford's not in the picture. And they have more shooting around him, so it's not as concerning last year as last year when they really needed kind of everyone to be shooting <laughs> to kind of make things work. So what you're saying is is that you're officially over hashtag grainy video season. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just if Simmons if Simmons's offense is just you know pick and rolls either the ball handler or the screener. And he's just diving to the rim for like easy layoffs and buckets. That's fine. And he's an all NBA defender. That's all we need Simmons to be, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a Simmons fan. I think he's really good. I'm probably higher in him than some people are. And yeah, I think 
I do think if he's going to reach his potential and if he's going to really maximise how good the Sixers can be, like, yeah, he needs to be able to shoot. Like, it would obviously be really valuable if he could just pose some kind of threat to just kind of pull defenders out. I mean, he had that play against the Pacers where he pump faked a three and like, I think Malcolm Brogdon actually started closing out, which <laughs> is a bit really on it, <laughs> which is it's funny. Like, why, like people bite, you know, biting on Embiid's pump fakes at the three point line is crazy because he's not that great a shooter, but doing it on Simmons was, uh, yeah, there's just no point biting on that pump fake, but you I know, was, I was can, kind of half, uh, I was kind of half surprised that Brogdon wasn't just immediately sent to the bench for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a an interesting play. But you kind of, if you at least attempt shots, the defense has to think about it a little bit more than they would. Obviously, you know, for instance, like Marcus Smart has become a good, you know, a pretty effective shooter now. He's quite efficient. Only but against the even, Sixers, though. <laughs> but even early on, when he started taking more threes he at least commanded some attention from his defender because they knew he was at least going to take the shot. So that, And there is some value in that. If Simmons at least takes them, they, he can make the defender think about it. Even if they're not going to be you know, running out or closing out fully, even if it just pulls them a step or two further away to the corner, let's say, that helps. If you can develop that in time, then that would be, that would be great. But yeah, right now, like you said, I've, you know, he's still a really good player and his offense is going to work better with the Sixers' new roster. This roster is so much better constructed. There's shooters, there's playmakers, there's ball handlers, there's a sufficient amount of talented wings. We got Shake coming off the bench, likely as the, um, 100% as the sixth man. Should we maybe... I mean, I'm a degenerate gambler, so I, I kind of want to ask this question. Um, should I just put maybe like a 20 down on Shake Milton for a sixth man of the year at this point? I don't think it's the worst bet in the world. I mean, <laughs> I think if the, if there's a good if there's good odds, like I mean, <laughs> to be fair, right now I probably would say I don't think he's going to win, but I do think he could have a a pretty big season. I think he was he's coming along anyway, just individually, and I think he keeps getting more confident, looking more comfortable. I think he's a good player anyway, and I think if Doc is going to, he clearly has a lot of faith. Uh, and confidence in Shake, he's going to give him that kind of responsibility. He's going to be used in more pick and rolls, which I think can help get him moving downhill when he's coming off good screens and it kind of opens him up to kind of pull up a bit more off the dribble uh, with his jumper. Like I do think there's some stuff that can bring out more from Shake this year. So if he's getting those kind of reps, a bit of higher usage, and you know the offense has kind of been adjusted a little bit to kind of complement him, I think he can have a, a pretty big year. Doc should just get into the film room with Shake and just have him watch nothing but, you know, Lou Williams tape on repeat. <laughs> just just yeah. that. Just all that. Like, Shake, that's your practice. Film room. Just watch Lou Williams videos on YouTube. That's what that's what that's your responsibility today. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta talk about the defense now. At at times, it looked really good last season because, you know, you have Horford and Beaton Simmons all on the floor. But the offense was just so, so stagnant as a result with those three guys on the floor. Do you see the Sixers defense being, you know, kind of, I don't want to say worse, just different because of the more traditional starting five? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be quite different in that they're not going to kind of have that emphasis on rim protection with having their sort of two bigs together, um, at least when Hawford was in the starting lineup. And they will be a bit smaller now. And I mentioned in the piece as well, like not having Josh Richardson does obviously hurt them a bit on that end of the floor. Like he's a, I know he annoyed fans, you know, offensively. Like part of that's just on him being asked to do too much. And that's just kind of more on the roster construction than him. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's a really good defender and he was really helpful at the point of attack. Uh, and they don't have that now. And, you know, Seth Curry is like, he's okay. He's not a plus defender, but he's, you know, he's not too bad, but obviously no way near as good as Josh on that end. So they will be a little bit worse in areas, but I think there is a chance for them to improve kind of depending on how the, you know, coaching staff pays off. And if we can see, you know, like Embiid, for instance, kind of maintain his best consistently, you know, like is his conditioning kind of going to be on point? Will they, like I mentioned this as well in the article, like if they're going to be mixing up their pick and roll coverage, getting a little bit more aggressive, 
maybe you know that's going to help them against teams that would otherwise kind of exploit their drop coverage. Um, and I think Dan Burke in particular, uh, who's kind of Doc's uh, defensive coordinator, is going to be really valuable. And I'm kind of most intrigued to see how much he helps the team. It sounds like everyone kind of really likes what he's bringing so far. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on kind of communication and, you know, getting everyone in the right spots this year. Um, he was he was really valuable to the Pacers um, as an assistant there for a long time. They had a lot of good defences with him kind of leading that up. Um, and it just sounds like from what I've read about him, you know, he's obviously a very smart guy, good schematically. They, they want to kind of shift things up a bit with the Sixers, get a bit more aggressive in some of their stuff. And it just sounds like he can kind of get the most out of his players and kind of get more from guys. So I think if you see more consistent effort from the Sixers this year, uh, which was obviously an issue last year, like when they went on the road, <laughs> things were just so much worse. So I think rather than necessarily having like amazing defensive personnel, it could kind of just be about the coaching staff and kind of consistent effort, um, which sounds really simple, but I feel like if they have that on their side, then that's going to help them. So yeah, I'm interested to see if that's something they can kind of maintain and actually have throughout the season and on the road this year. So yeah, interested to see how that one plays out. The the defense on the road is the thing in this section of your piece that produced the most amount of disgust and dry heaves. <laughs> like I knew it was bad on the road, right? I didn't know it was this bad. Despite ranking second in defensive rating at home, they plummeted to 20th on the road. That is an insane night and day transition. Yes. Yeah, a huge switch. Like, yeah, I mean, I they should have been the just... best defense in the league last year. And at home, they basically were. But then they go on the road and it just it kills their defensive numbers and they just weren't the same. And I don't it's, know if it was yeah. just being around the fans or something like that, but it should, it should never be that much of a swing. At that point, like, there's something wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's just going to be one of many weird things about last year's <laughs> Sixers that is kind of going to be a bit unknown. Like, Doc was asked about that at one point and he said he wasn't really sure, you know, what the cause of their, you know, road issues were. But there's been a lot of emphasis, like I said, communication, consistency. He really wants guys to be loud. Like he's kind of singled out uh, Ben and Joel, saying that he wants them to kind of be, be vocal leaders on defense. Dwight Howard and Danny Green both really want to embrace leadership roles on the team. Dwight in particular has kind of really been impressing players and Doc with his leadership so far. Just kind of giving guys pointers, being vocal, uh, being a good presence all around. So obviously you don't want to just dumb down to, oh, their defense can be better because of veteran leadership. Yeah. Um, but I think with the coaching staff and if they can actually have consistency and, you know, guys like Danny and uh, Dwight can sort of impart a bit of knowledge and kind of just keep them like locked in and, you know, keep things a bit more consistent um, and kind of help get more from some of the younger players on the team that can, that can all help. So I think a lot of little things, um, and some schematic changes as well, like just getting more aggressive in the pick and roll and stuff can kind of add up to a, a really good defense. And obviously you've got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which is is huge. Like they're both elite defenders whenever they're trying. So yeah, they've got a good foundation. After the sweep last year's playoffs, just I was just over the whole notion of, you know, drop coverage and pick and roll every effing time. I just got so tired of it. So I'm glad to hear and read that they're kind of doing more mixing it up and the one clip that you put in that section is just against the Celtics Howard was really up on the pick and roll just like denying Jason Tatum that three-point attempt and just making it really hard for him to get into the lane yeah I think it's just just having that sort of versatility to mix things up is really useful like one of the things that's so good with Nick Nurse and the Raptors is that they try so much stuff and they shake things up so much through the season that one, they can just kind of catch teams off guard and they've obviously got a bunch of smart players, but yeah, they can, they can catch teams off. And then when the playoffs come around, they have the ability and the comfort and the know-how to kind of shake things up and do different things defensively because they've got used to it. If you only run deep drop coverage all year long and you don't really deviate from it, like you can't really adjust as well, you know, in the playoffs, for instance, like when yeah. they were getting killed by the Celtics last year and Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, which is dribbling into open jumpers that are just way too easy for them. Um, you need to be able to kind of mix things up. And obviously they're going to still be using some drop coverage. Like it's not just going to go away. 
Um, but just having a bit more versatility is going to be helpful, I think. Certainly. There's, there are players that you employ drop coverage on, like for sure. Like, you know, Marcus Smart, you want to jack up seven threes, you go right ahead. Because I'm pretty sure you're only going to hit maybe two or three of them. So, I mean, that, that's fine. But somebody like Steph Curry or somebody, a shooter of that caliber, just, no, no drop coverage. Absolutely not. Just no. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. With those guys, you just need to be able to adjust. Because if they're, if they're getting a screen a few feet above the line and then you've got Embiid sitting like at the elbow or further back, like they're just, they're just walking into open threes. They're like just if, stepping into yeah, open threes. <laughs> exactly. And especially with guys like, Especially we've got, you know, like I said, their point of attack defense is a bit worse this year. Like if you've got Seth Curry getting stuck on a good screen and there's no help from, you know, your center to come up and cover a shot, like they're just going to be walking into open shots. So yeah, how they mix things up this year is going to be really useful, I think. The Sixers, given the changes in the defense that you kind of pointed out, do you kind of foresee a lot more 115, 113 wins as opposed to, you know, the, the, the ugly um, 89, 86 kind of wins? Yeah, I definitely think they could be more, yeah, more high-scoring games. And I mean, it makes sense. Like, if they want to increase their pace, that's going to work. Like, there's going to be more positions in the game potentially. And the defense and their offense is just going to be a bit less kind of grit and grindy. Uh, with a big sort of slow two-centre lineup, So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if things are a little bit more high-scoring. Um, it kind of suits how they've built their team now. Um, and that's, that's, that's going to be more fun to watch, to be honest. Like, it's just going to be nice watching a more enjoyable team that kind of makes more sense. I was just going to say... With pace. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, we may have way more high-scoring wins, but damn it, they're going to be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Tom... Appreciate you talking about this piece, this fabulous piece that everybody should read. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to retweet this piece again when the pod drops. And yeah, just everybody get ready for the season because this is going to be this is going to be fun. This is probably one of the more fun, more well-constructed teams that we've seen in recent years. So I am personally extremely excited. Yeah, after the slog of last season and this year, 2020 in general, just being a brutal year like if we're watching the Sixers every night it's going to be nice that they're more enjoyable to watch so yeah I'm looking forward to this one <laughs> speaking of this year I, I ask you all the time because you know I, I like to see how other countries are doing things um, I did read that you guys were in phase four whatever the heck that means oh yeah we have a new tier uh, which was a surprise announcement <laughs> from Boris Johnson yesterday is he just uh, making stuff up on the fly Oh, well, basically, <laughs> the, the brief rundown is there's a new tier four, which got introduced yesterday. We'd originally been on a three-tier system after recently doing a, a national lockdown. And yesterday, a fourth tier got added for a select area of the country, which I happen to be in the southeast oh and London, mainly because there is a new variant of coronavirus that has been found in the southeast, Christ. Uh, which... They don't have any evidence yet to suggest that it's more dangerous or doesn't um, isn't fixed by the vaccine, but it is potentially up to seventy percent easier to pass on. Oh, uh, lovely! So yeah, so it spreads incredibly quickly and more easier than the typical coronavirus strain. So because that is spreading so fast in the southeast, which is the part of the country I'm in, they've introduced a new tier four. Uh, with tighter restrictions and originally the plan for Christmas, which Boris Johnson and the government kept saying would be happening, was that from the 23rd to the 27th of December, restrictions would be eased so that you could have a three bubble, sorry, a three household bubble for Christmas. So you could, you know, see some family uh, or whatever. But for tier four, that's been cancelled now. So <laughs> yesterday, basically Christmas was cancelled. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a fun time in England right now. <laughs> They're cancelling Christmas in the south of London? Jesus! Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, London and the southeast of England is, uh, yeah, Christmas was uh, kind of cancelled yesterday. <sighs> so it's, uh, everyone's a bit annoyed here right now, to be honest. But um, this, it's just the nature of 2020, I guess. This year is a dumpster fire fueled with booster rocket fuel like fire this year into the sun 
Jesus. Yeah. I've had so, enough. We've had enough 2020. That's it. That's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we are so done. So, yeah, going to be uh going to be spending a lot of time inside, a lot of time on league pass, a lot of time oh. watching a hopefully more enjoyable Sixers teams. So, uh at least we've got basketball. At least at we've got NBA coming back. At least we have them. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> that's uh that's the saving grace right now. <laughs> uh. Keep your head on a swivel over there. My best to the the fam and everybody in England, all the Sixers fans in England. And yeah, it's coming. Basketball is coming. The vaccine is coming. It's it. Everything will be okay by I, I guess next summer. I don't I don't know. <laughs> we're we're getting there slowly. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Something that I wouldn't have said maybe like two months ago, but we're getting there. For Christ's sake, we're getting there. <laughs> Can't get there soon enough. <laughs> Not soon enough. Turbo speed this bitch. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tom. Appreciate having you on as always. Um, why don't you just remind everybody where they can find your work or contact you on social media. Um, do, just, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all my work, uh, libertyballers.com. And then, yeah, if you want to uh, find my stuff on Twitter, it's at Tom West NBA, where I post, you know, video clips and all my Sixers stuff and whatnot. So yeah, that's it. Appreciate you coming on as always. And um, yeah, take it easy over there across the pond, my friend. Thank you, man. You too as well. Take care. <laughs>